Show, 97.5, 1280 The Zone. Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, thanks for making us part of your Friday. Big, big weekend in the Pac-12. Big weekend for the Utes as they travel up to Washington to take on the Huskies. We're going to talk to Kurt Crackthorpe coming up here momentarily on Big Fox. Of all the uh, all the complaining out there about being on the Pac-12 network over and over again and no one gets to see you play, well... The Utes are not only uh, on national television, they're on network television yeah, this weekend. it's time for the Utes to shine. It really is time for them to show uh, a national television audience what, what they can do. And it's a respectable opponent. Still, I mean, the Huskies are 5-3. and three. I mean, they're not great, like you proclaimed before the season started. But they're still... Yeah, they're still decent. And so going up there and playing on that field, not an easy place to play. I think the Utes, I think they're up for it. They are playing such good football right now. Let's get out to the Sprint special guest line. Get $100 off the redesigned Apple Watch 4 with a new line of service. Visit the Sprint store nearest you. He makes the magic happen at the Salt Lake Tribune covering the Utes. He's our good friend, Kurt Cragthorpe. Hi, Kurt. Hi, guys. Kurt, we were talking about the, uh, you know, of all the belly aching about exposure and the Pac-12 network and all this and that. This huge game for the Utes is going to be on Big Fox on network TV. And with the Utes playing as well as they are, this seems like a big opportunity for them to show their stuff. Yeah, it's interesting how it worked out. Fox didn't have college football during the World Series, obviously. And so the timing is good for the Pac-12. Not only that, you got USC Oregon also on Fox. So it's basically a... Back 12 doubleheader, and what more important games could there possibly be? Kurt, obviously there's a zillion factors that go into the way the Utes are playing right now, but if you had to whittle it down to two, two keys that are going in a positive direction for this team right now, what would you what would you single out that way? Uh, I, I'm not being joking when I'm saying players and coaches, but uh, if you want me to break it down a little bit further than that, I would say... Uh, the defensive line and Tyler Huntley. I, I think Tyler clearly has elevated his game this year. And it, it, the defense, every level is playing well, but I really believe it starts with the defensive line. And if you, if you look at the last two weeks in particular, they just tormented those two true freshman quarterbacks from Arizona State and California, and they did it basically without having to blitz. And, and so those front four guys have just been uh, monstrous. Given Tyler Huntley's importance to this team and to this offense, um, one question is how healthy do you think he is? And two, are you surprised that they played him against Cal? Yeah, it's an interesting dilemma. I mean, clearly they wouldn't have played him if they thought it was going to be detrimental to him. I, I know uh, in the NBA he probably would have rested, that's for sure. But, uh, gosh, these guys only get 12, 13, 14 games to play in their senior year, and if they want to play and, and they they feel like they can not hurt the team by playing, I, I think you have to defer to the player a little bit. I, I Actually, I think it worked out perfectly. And he was able to play a half and rest a half. And he, after the game, said he was about 75%. He, did, he certainly played as if he was more healthy than that. But the coaching staff did a really nice job with him. They, they used Jason Shelley in that run-oriented package quite a bit. And then Jason took over in the second half. So... I think it worked out well. Now, is he 100% yet? Probably not, but he's got to be closer this week. I, everyone says he's done a good job of being in the training room as he needs to be and taking care of himself that way. So I, I think once the blood starts flowing up there in Seattle, he'll, he'll be in pretty good shape. 
Kurt, you've written about that uh, this week, but uh, what's the deal with uh, Peterson owning Kyle the way he does? Yeah, there again, he's had, he's had good teams. I mean, those Boise State teams, I mean, the, the very first meeting was that two, 2016 that won a Fiesta Bowl, and so maybe 36-3 to wasn't an accurate yeah, uh, yeah. representation of the gap between Utah and Boise State at that time, but Boise was a really good team. And then, of course, they, they beat him in the Las Vegas Bowl when Jordan Wynn was hurt and the U.S. weren't at their best. And then you look at the, the Washington-Utah series and all those games basically could have gone either way. Some really good teams that the Huskies had, like in 2016 when they went to the playoff, they needed that controversial punt return to, to beat the Utes. And so uh, I think the basic answer is he has a great record against everybody, not just Kyle Whittingham. But it's kind of an anomaly to, to think that, that Kyle would win two-thirds of his games and yet be one in six against this particular coach. Kurt, on Monday, Kyle Whittingham essentially said that his defense doesn't really have any weak points. Would you agree with that assessment? I do. I mean, because going into the season, we all looked at the linebackers and wondered if Francis Bernard is a full-time player and, and Devin Lloyd, who we didn't really know much about at all, would really play at the lever, level of Chase Hansen and Cody Barton because as much as we looked at def- Utah's defense returning, what was it, seven starters, I, I kept reminding people not to underestimate how much of an impact Chase and Cody had just making plays all over the field, and yet Bernard and Lloyd have basically done that. Now, the one flaw that we'll all point to uh, is the secondary's play against USC, but but I still go back to the idea that those guys were in position to make those plays. They, they somehow just didn't make them. But, it, but it's not like they were blown coverages or anything like that. So, well, I think it is fair to say that the defense doesn't have an obvious weakness. But I also believe they'll they'll be tested by Jacob Eason and the Huskies tomorrow. Kurt, you know when that really stood out to me? It was after that Arizona State win, and somebody asked him about his defense. I think somebody asked him to critique his defense, and he says there's nothing to correct. I don't think I've ever heard Kyle Whittingham say that about a unit uh, of his football team after a game. There's nothing to correct. Well, uh, that that indicated to me exactly everything you just said. And then they probably spent about 12 hours Sunday finding flaws on the film. That's, that's what coaches do. But, yeah, to your point, I, they, they, those, these last two weeks have just been phenomenal. Now, now, maybe there's an asterisk with these freshman quarterbacks, but Jaden Daniels had done a lot of good things before and after facing the youth. So uh, it's, you can't just attribute that to a, a guy not knowing what he was doing out there. Now, the Cal guy was obviously thrown into a tough situation, but but still, that. In this day and age, to hold a team to 83 total yards, that, that's just unbelievable, especially when the first-team defense was out of there after three quarters. I thought the Huskies, may, or no, excuse me, the Trojans, maybe have made a little blueprint on how to beat the Utes. A couple of things. They, I mean, they got a ton of pressure, as you know, on Tyler Huntley. Uh, they threw the ball downfield and made big plays with really talented wide receivers. Is Washington capable of doing that, do you think, Kurt? They might be. I, I think, as a group, there, there's no one in the conference that has three receivers quite like USC. And I and I, I think that was a huge factor. If, for example, Utah had been able to play Jalen Johnson on Michael Pittman full-time, or at least believe that they could do that and get away with it, uh, that, might, that game might have gone differently. So I don't think 
that Washington has receivers quite like USC, but I do think Jacob, Jacob, Jacob Eason is a very good quarterback. And, and unless the Utes get some pressure on him, he, he could pick them apart. He was 23 for 30 for 289 yards against Oregon, which a lot of people would say is the second-best defense in the Pac-12. So I, I think if, if the Utes let him get in the rhythm, he, he could be tough against them. But I, I don't see any team ever again having the ability to just heave it downfield and have their receivers go and get it like Michael Pittman and the Trojans did. What was so weird about that is I remember at the in that opening drive against USC. Remember how uh, they were they they were throwing at Johnson. I, I I couldn't believe it. I thought, what are they doing? Don't don't most teams stay away from that guy? And they went right at him successfully on that opening drive. Yeah, and that's a a good point about uh, leading into Washington because they're really good in the first quarter. They've they've scored. 97 points in first quarters this year in what would it be eight games. So that's like 12 points a game just in the first quarter. Mm. And uh, Todd Whittingham said that Chris Peterson, one thing he does a really good job of is scripting those first sequence of plays. So that, that'll be something to watch tomorrow for sure. Do you think the Utes will be able to run the ball effectively on that defense? Now the Huskies, what are they giving up, Kurt? 148 yards a game on the ground, something like that? Uh, so, so there is an opportunity there for uh, Zach Moss. Yeah, and I think that'll be a huge factor. I, I still don't have complete, hundred percent belief in Utah's offensive line. I just think about how many times Zach has made big gains out of seemingly nothing when he's hit in the near the line of scrimmage and spins away and somehow produces big yards. So, I, I think the offensive line will have to play its best game of the year for Utah to win and. And Zach again will have to keep manufacturing things, and and as always, if if Utah can just move the ball consistently and and not be in third and longs, I I think that's been the key to their success. They have a phenomenal third down conversion rate, but but it's all set up by what happens on first and second down, and that'll be critical. I don't mean for this question to come off uh, overly critical uh, of the wide receivers, Kurt, so, to, so don't get me wrong, but I've kind of been waiting for one of those guys to to kind of grab the job and be the guy. You know what I mean? Are, are we going to, I guess, are we going to see somebody do that? Are we going to see a receiver at some point, you know, really have a breakout game and be the go-to guy, or is it going to be the, the group effort going forward? Yeah, it's a weird phenomenon. It's, it's funny you say that, Jake, because at various times we, there's about three different guys that we could have said, okay, that guy looks like the guy now, like Brian Thompson at times, Jalen Dixon at times. And then Samson Nakua has had this crazy season where in the first four games, mostly because he was playing behind Britton Covey, he had only one catch for two yards. And then he had a total of nine catches or at least eight catches in the next two games, including a couple of spectacular grabs. In the last two games, a total of one catch. So I just think, to answer your question, it, it's just not the way the offense is designed. It's just not a, a featured receiver kind of offense, and, and it's been effective. Now, the other asterisk on that is that Utah doesn't throw the ball that many times compared to most college football teams. They use tight ends a lot more percentage-wise than most teams. So therefore, the wide receivers just aren't getting – targeted that much, so it's, a, it's almost physically impossible for one guy to, to have a, a, quote, breakout game. But I think coming back around to, to what you said, it, it, it is a kind of a collective effort, and, and the good news is they have 
X number of guys they can go to, and 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 therefore Tyler doesn't have to think about okay, who who is this play designed to go to? He can just read the defense and and throw it anybody who is open. Kurt, over the past couple of years, the youths have been really good in October, and then later on they've sort of uh, struggled a little bit. Do you believe in any of that stuff? Is that just a matter of who they're playing at a particular time? Yeah, I mean, I think it was a real thing for a long time, and I, I, I do believe that they, by what they did last year, beating Oregon, Colorado, and BYU without Moss and Huntley, that that should pretty much take away the November curse forever now. I guess you could say that technically the Pac-12 championship game also was in November last year, so maybe that hangs over their head a little bit. But, but yeah, I, I there's no question that they have not played their best football in November until last year when they overcame the circumstances they did. So that that should pretty much put that to rest. But. But who knows? I might be reviving it tomorrow if they don't play well. <laughs> well, it's not just a matter of a curse. Sometimes it's a matter of emphasis. It's a matter of energy. It's a matter of training. All, you know, all that stuff can come into play sometimes. Yeah, and you make a good point. Uh, and this year they absolutely don't have that excuse because uh, Whittingham keeps pointing out how few snaps the defense has had to play this year. And that there's two reasons for that. One is the Utes offense does control the ball. But it's also true that the Utah defense gets a lot of three and outs and gets themselves back on the sideline, which uh, is part of their job description. So those two elements have worked together. To, th- this defense has got to be as healthy and as fresh and as less worn down as any group in the country right now. I read somewhere where the Utes are averaging, what, 10 minutes more possession time than their opponents? Yeah, and, and that that can be deceiving at times. I uh, but, but what is not deceiving is just literally the number of snaps they played. It, it's something like 54 a game. Now, I'm not sure if that's the first team defense or the defense as a whole, but but as many plays as college football teams generally run now, that's a phenomenally low number of defensive snaps who have played through eight games. And but like I say, those those guys are... Uh, in about as good a position as they possibly could be going into November. One more question for you, Kurt. Uh, Let me ask you a tough one. Who is the better defensive lineman, Lucky Foto or Bradley and I? I think on an overall basis, you'd have to say Lucky, but but Bradley, to his credit, has become a more well-rounded player. And uh, in the NFL, he might be able to get away with just being a pass-rushing specialist, and he's, he's a lead in that skill, but but in terms of uh, just if you had to pick one guy to start your defense with in college football, I, I think it would be lucky. Kurt, always a pleasure to have you on the show. Thank you so much for joining us. Enjoy the game tomorrow and enjoy Seattle. Okay, appreciate it, guys. Thank you. Thank you, Kurt. Kurt Cragthorpe of the Salt Lake Tribune covering the Utes. Lucky foe, too, is just a stud. He's a monster. <laughs> Absolute monster. It's uh, pretty remarkable to watch him play college football, and he'll be playing in the NFL probably for a long time. Well, we asked Kurt about uh, Witt saying his defense uh, doesn't really have a weakness. Well, part of the reason the linebackers have looked so great, and, yeah. and I don't want to take anything away from them necessarily, <laughs> but, I mean, Lecky Fotu eating up three blocks per play, that helps. If I that helps be, a lot. If, if I could be a linebacker on darn near any team, I think the youths would be a fine choice. Oh, right? yeah. You're just, because you are free to roam and tackle. Yep. 
that offensive line is not getting to the second level. <laughs> Rarely getting to the second level because it takes all they got to block that front four. Yeah. It's yeah. it's it, it's a big deal. It's a big deal. All right, stay tuned. More Big Show coming up next, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. This is Tony Parks and Austin Horton. Donovan Mitchell talked about how Rudy lost. Is this about as focused as any team you've had a chance to be around? No, as focused as a French national team. But... Ah, Harry, you lost! That sounded like you what? in the background. What? You lost! That is you! It was not me! Okay, play it again, and then Tony, you do it again. Ah, Harry, you lost! It's you. And you're trying to pass it off as Donovan. Uh, uh, you're trying to place a chasm between the two cornerstone pieces of the Utah Jazz. And you, like, pointed Donovan, who was him. Because <laughs> I'm so far down there, Rudy's like, who said that? <laughs> you know, and they looked well, at me, and I was just like, pointing at Donovan. guy, the guy in the towel. Tony Parks and Austin Horton. Weekdays from 10 to noon on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network.